thrilled privilege to share today, today with this group of people of open minds and open hearts, and I'm real excited to share about a topic that's very important and very close to my heart, and that's becoming true worshipers. Uh, three main points I'd like to share today is, first is understanding the priority of worship, God's perspective. We saw in uh, John 4, verse 23, that the Father is seeking true worshipers. And uh, you've noticed that in your bulletin, there are some sermon notes. If you guys like to pull those, anybody like to take notes? As a former teacher, I have learned that we always remember more and we learn more when we write things down. So if you would like to join along with those, you'll see some little blanks there you can fill out. But I'd like to talk about a couple truths here from this passage. The Father is seeking true worshipers. Seeking is a really important concept. How many of you guys have ever lost your keys? Did you go seeking them? Do you remember what that looks like? Running around the house, tearing the couch apart, looking underneath chairs, asking everybody else, hey, honey, have you seen my keys? Right? Seeking because something is very important. How about this one? Anybody here ever lost a wallet? Anybody? Yeah. Pretty important, isn't it? How many important things you got? Your driver's license, your credit cards, maybe, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of cash in there. Pretty important. You go looking for it everywhere. You're seeking. Now imagine that God is seeking. The Father is looking over. He's opening the couch up, and what is he looking for? What's the answer? You can help me out here. True worshipers. This is something really valuable, really important to God that he is seeking them. He's looking all over the world seeking for true worshipers. He's probably looking right here in Richmond Hill today. Are there any true worshipers here? At Richmond Hill, United Methodist Church, because that's how important this is to God. Interesting quote from our missions director up in Pennsylvania that I worked with. Uh, Actually, this is uh, from John Piper. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. So this is how important worship is. Missions is a temporary mission, but it's going to be done at some point. But worship is eternal, going on and on forever. We will worship God. So that shows the difference of that. You say, well, how can he say this? Think about the commandments. The very first commandment is about what? Worship. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The very first commandment God is saying, worship is important to me. Get it right. And then there's the great commandment. What's he say here? The greatest commandment is thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Guess what? That's about worship too. This is all wrapped up in the Westminster Catechism, which says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God. This is why we exist. This is our purpose for being. This is why God created us. Worship. That's how important this is. And to enjoy Him forever. So point number one is we need to understand the priority of worship from God's perspective. Number two, we like to understand the meaning of worship. What is worship? What does this mean? We use this word a lot. We have it out in the sign out there. Worship at 9 and 11. Let me throw out five definitions. Uh, As a music professor, I have a lot more. I have pages of definitions of worship, but I thought I'd simplify it for our time, pull down to the top five. The first one is just uh, understanding the root meaning of the word worship comes from the word Skype, 
which means declaring the worth of an object or a person. Now, we do this all the time. We talk about how much people are worth. We talk about who's the best basketball player in the world. Mr. Michael Jordan, five championship rings. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. I watched him run and get to the free throw line and jump and fly through the air from the free throw line and dunk the ball. It's incredible. I never saw a guy fly like that. I tried it. I got two feet and fell. You know, not a great basketball player like Michael Jordan. Here's one here. Who's the richest person in the world? Bill Gates. That's worship, declaring who's the best, who's the richest, okay? Or what's the hottest car? You guys know what this is? It's a Lamborghini, okay? It has a uh, five-liter V10 engine, 520 horsepower, goes zero to 60 in 3.8 seconds. 3.8 seconds, 60 miles an hour. Now, here's the neat thing. The list price is $175,000, but you can't get one for that because so many people are lined up, you actually have to pay $430,000 to get one. Have you ever heard of a car where they sell it for more than the list price? That's when you know it's the best. This is worship, what we're talking about here. His worship is declaring, what's something worth? What's the best? What's the greatest? And what we should say is, what is God worth to you? What is God worth to me? Have you told him that lately? God, you're this important in my life. Here's a second definition. Worship is an affirmative response to the self-revelation of the triune God. Would everybody say the word response? Worship is responding. If we're not responding to God, we're not worshiping. Think about that. Am I responding to God, to his beauty as he reveals himself? His truth, His love, all the things that God is. Worship is responding to that and saying, thank you, wow, amazing, incredible. Those are all worship words. You can work on those this week. Okay? Here's a third definition. This comes from the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, shakah. And it means to bow down, to prostrate oneself, to humble oneself, reverence, honor somebody by bowing. Now, we don't do a lot of bowing in our culture. They do in Oriental cultures. They do lots of bowing to show respect, to show reverence. Abraham did this before God. God came to visit Abraham, and Abraham fell down on his face on the ground and bowed before him. That's worship. Humbling ourselves, reverencing and respecting and uplifting someone else. Worship. What is worship? Here's one more definition. This is from the Greek this is actually the word used here in John chapter 4, and it means to kiss towards. Uh, have you guys ever done that? Ever blow blue kisses to somebody? That's proskuneo. When you blow kisses at people, you're expressing affection. You're expressing love. So love songs to God are worship songs. That's another definition of worship. Is have you told God lately how much you love him? How much he means to you? That's worship. And then lastly... I'd like to look at the definition that Jesus used here. He said, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This is so like Jesus, world's greatest teacher. He wraps up this huge topic of worship that I have books about in my library in one sentence. Two words, in spirit and in truth. Worship is in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Let's break that down just a little bit further with our application step three. What does it mean to worship in spirit? 
Okay, first of all, notice this. Jesus says, God is spirit. And we must worship in spirit. So God is a spirit being. Did you know that man is also a spirit? We are a spiritual being as well. God created us in his image, in his likeness, so we could connect with him, so we could know him, so we could have a relationship with him, so we could worship him, because God is a spirit. Something interesting also, letter B, is that music is a language of the spirit. Did anybody ever wonder why we have so much music in our worship services? Music is a gift that God gave us to help us with our worship. It's like the language of the spirit. So God is a spirit, we're spirits, and music is the language of the spirit to help us connect. I studied this in graduate school. Did you know that music encompasses both sides of the brain? It's an entire brain function. It also involves your body, it involves your emotions, it involves every single part of your being. So when we get involved with music, it helps us to worship God with our entire being, not just our mind, not just half of our mind, not just the left side brain, but the right side brain and our voice. Isn't that neat that God created this for us, a tool to help us worship? What does it mean to worship in spirit? Here's something I discovered uh, at a worship seminar. It's called The Nine Different Flavors of Worship. It's by a guy named Lamar Boschman. There are the nine different spirits. Let me give you several here. Number one is celebration. You guys know that there's different flavors of ice cream? How many of you are glad there's more than vanilla? Okay, now vanilla is ice cream, but I mean, I really like chocolate, caramel, fudge, delight. Huh? Yeah, see, she agrees with me back there. There's different flavors of worship. Vanilla can be worship, but there's also flavors. Here's a flavor called celebration. It's party time. We do this at Easter. We come in and we celebrate resurrection from the dead. We're like the Georgia fans. We get wild and crazy and we celebrate God because we're celebrating with the greatest event ever in history. Number two, exaltation. Another flavor, magnifying the greatness of the glorious God. Exaltation is a little deeper than celebration. Number three, proclamation, declaring the greatness and goodness of God in the hearing of a third party. Number four, intimacy. Worship is the language of love. Sometimes there's a spirit of just being intimate with God, being close to Him, being quiet, singing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. That's a song of intimacy. That's a different spirit of worship, isn't it? Then He lives, He lives. So there's different flavors, okay? Those are the first four. Here's five more. Number five is petition and intercession. These are songs that ask God to touch us. Like, uh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Or, change my heart, O God. Change me, God. Touch me. It's worship, but it's a different flavor if it's a different spirit of worship. Then there's mystery, awe, and humility. Number six. This is about God's unknowableness, His hiddenness, His mysteriousness, which destroys our pride and leaves us with a humble, broken heart full of gratitude. These are songs like, our God is an awesome God. He's awesome! And we're just like, wow! Or we bow down and we worship Him because He's so awesome. 
and mysterious, and we can't even fathom Him. That's a whole other spirit, a whole other flavor of worship. Then there's number seven, prophecy. This is when God uses His servants to call His people to repentance and action. These are songs of conviction or purification. When I think of this, I think of the group Casting Crowns. They've written a lot of songs this way, like Courageous or If We Are the Body. You know, if we are the body, why aren't we doing these things? Why aren't we out there? You know, why aren't we doing this? That's kind of a prophecy, prophetic type of conviction thing. We need to get going. We need to wake up. That's a different flavor of worship, a different spirit. Then there's warfare. The Bible calls us an army. And we have songs like, Onward, Christian soldiers, right? Different spirit of worship, warfare, being military. And then lastly, thankfulness. Thanksgiving relates to God's deeds. That's just having, you know, a big heart of thank you, God. Thank you for saving my soul. I'm forever grateful for the cross. All these songs of thankfulness. So there's like nine flavors, and I'm sure that is not all there is, but it kind of gives you an idea that when we talk about worshiping God in spirit, that there's different spirits, not just one. And when we come here to this sanctuary different weeks, we're going to have different flavors with each song, with each choir piece, that there's different flavors of worship that we can enter into. That it's not just vanilla every week. How many of you say amen to that? That's, amen's a good word. That's a worship word. Let's practice that. Everybody say amen. amen. Now you're worshiping. You're responding to the greatness of God. Okay, let's go on. Let's look at what does it mean to worship in spirit? One of the ways you interpret Scripture is by looking at other Scriptures. Here's some other verses that talk about the Spirit. This one, first one says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. What this verse tells us is that there's two parts to us. There's a natural man and a spiritual man. Kind of divides it up. So we need to realize that when Jesus says worship in Spirit, we're talking about being a part of the spiritual man, not the natural man. Secondly, Scripture says that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we come to church and our spirit, I want to worship, but sometimes our flesh is just not there. We haven't had that coffee. And our flesh is just really, wow, I'm trying to worship God, but the body's not cooperating. See? So again, there's a struggle sometimes in our worship. It's not always easy for us to worship because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is. Not only that, but there's another one here. Come on, let's go. There we go. This is what it says in Galatians. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Guess what? There's a war going on. Not only is the flesh weak, but there's a war that tries to keep us from worshiping. Who's going to win that war? The spirit or the flesh? Sometimes our flesh just does not want to worship. No, I refuse to worship. I want to be mad at God. I'm not going to thank him today. And there's a war going on. So we have to win that war in order to worship in the Spirit and become the true worshipers. 1 Corinthians, here's another one. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. After that, the spiritual. Here it's talking about the order. If we're going to become spiritual worshipers and enter into the Spirit and worship God, the natural has to come first. What I think that means is that we've got to get our bodies here. Walk in the door put our bodies in the pews, not stay home at Bedside Baptist. You know what I mean? And then you have to stand up 
and then you start singing, and sometimes the first notes that come out aren't that great, but then you keep singing, and after a while, like verse 3, oh, I'm starting to get into this now. Now my spiritual is starting to move because the natural's going. So you've got to get the natural going first because we can't separate ourselves. Our bodies go with us everywhere we go, right? We can't leave the body home and say, I'm going to send my spirit to church this week. So here's an order. And then lastly, Paul says this, I will pray with the spirit. I will pray also with the mind. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing also with the mind. You guys ever been involved in a 24-hour prayer chain? Anybody ever done that? Isn't that neat? I remember the first time I did that, and I was signed up for an hour. And I was like, what? I have to pray for a whole hour? I can't pray for an hour. So I got down. We knelt down. At the, we were at the front of the sanctuary. And it's like, pray and pray. And I looked down. Five minutes. Oh, man, this is going to last forever. Okay, let's go. Get back at it. Praying, praying. And then all of a sudden, something happened. And the next thing I knew, my hour was over. I was like, whoa. What happened? I just prayed for an hour. You know what happened? I got in the spirit. My spirit took over and started praying. It wasn't just my flesh trying to watch the clock tick. I got into another dimension. I believe the Holy Spirit helps us do that. I think that's what Paul's talking about. Learning to pray in our spirit. Learning to go into that spiritual realm where God dwells. And he says that also is true with singing. I will sing in the spirit. I will get in this spiritual dimension where the spirit of God dwells. I'm not just going to stay here in my flesh, in my body. So I think what Jesus is saying to us when he says the Father is seeking true worshipers and they must worship in spirit and in truth, he's saying this, worship is more than just singing songs. It's more than just speaking declarations of faith. It's more than just listening to a sermon. That's the first step. Yeah, that's the foundation, but there's more. You need to go farther than that. True worship is connecting with God. Who is a spirit? I think that's what God wants from us today. He wants us to connect with Him. Not just sing songs. Though, believe me, I love singing songs. I love music. That's my life. I have a master's degree in music. So I'm not against music, trust me. But God wants more than that. Thirdly, true worship is entering into the realm of the spirit, into the spiritual dimension this is deep. I think this is what Jesus means. Are we doing that in our worship time together? Are we entering into the spiritual dimension and actually connecting with the Spirit of God? That's our challenge. Worship in spirit. And then Jesus said, the second part is worship in spirit and in truth. What is truth? The dictionary says truth is that which conforms to fact or reality. Is it real? If it's not real, it's not true. And let me share a couple passages. One is in Amos. I think this describes what's happening here. Here God is speaking to His people. He says this to His people. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Even though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Sounds like these religious people, they had a good, 
good thing going on. They had choirs, they had instruments, they had harps, they had the tithe offering, the sacrifice offering, the building offering, the missions offering. They were bringing all these offerings. You know what God says? I'm not happy with them. Why not? They're doing all the right things. But I think something was missing. They were going through the motions. But something was missing and God says, I hate it. And I think the interpretation is in Matthew 15 where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he says this. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Yeah, they had all, the Pharisees had all the laws down, all the procedures down. They were honoring God with their lips, but their hearts were not in it. And God wasn't pleased because the Father is seeking true worshipers. He wants our hearts. He wants our love. Not just motions. Are we really worshiping God or are we just going through the motions? Do we really love God and worship Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all our strength? Are we expressing our love to God passionately, church? Or are we lukewarm? You know what God said in Revelation about the lukewarm church, right? Are we passionate? I was at the football game Friday night. I saw some really passionate fans there. Are we that passionate for God? I mean, I think we have a great football team here in Richmond Hill, but I think God's even better than that. Don't you think so? Why aren't we that passionate towards God here? Think about that. Join me in prayer, would you? Father, you created us in your image so we can connect with you. Father, you gave us a free will so we could seek you. Father, you gave us a heart so we could love you. Father God, you gave us a mind so we could understand you, your will, and your ways. Father, as Martin Luther said, you gave us five senses with which to worship you. Forgive us when we use less. Forgive us for our lack of passion for you, God. Forgive us when we just go through the motions and don't really engage with you fully. God, we ask today that you would rip the veil from our eyes so that we could truly see how wonderful, how beautiful, how compassionate, how majestic, how powerful, how holy and awesome you are, and that we would bow down before you and worship you today in spirit and in truth. Amen.